Welcome to Movie Mavens, a podcast where we watch and review two movies that are related in some way. We call it a spicy double feature. The films can be related through director, actor, plot, setting, or even title. I'm one of your hosts, Annie Janes. And I'm Carson Green. This week's spicy double feature is The Northman and The Witch. Both of these films are written and directed by Robert Eggers and star Anya, Anya Taylor-Joy. Okay, honestly, I cannot wait to get into this spicy dub. But before we do, we have a special guest on the pod. Uh, We have film critic Katie Walsh joining us. Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. I'm excited to get into the spicy dub as well. It'll be a good (laughs) it'll be a good discussion. (laughs) Amazing. Before we jump um katie i know that you're a horror fan i i do i do love horror yes and genre films can you just give us a quick rundown i know this is on the spot can you just give us maybe a a quick list of like what are some of your favorite horrors well i always say my favorite movie of all time is carrie 1976 brian de palma's Mm. version i hate that i have to specify not that anyone (laughs) would think that like carrie 2013 is my favorite (laughs) movie of all time that movie is bad um (laughs) But uh, yeah, I don't know. I decided in like high school that that was my favorite movie and I'm just I'm sticking with it. So it's just a funny like, I mean, I do love it. Like all the times that I've rewatched it over the years, I'm like, is this still my favorite movie? Or like, do I still love it as much as I did when I was a teenager? And um, I do. I do really, really love it. I love De Palma. So I just I just think it's a really special movie. And I, I have a very, you know, soft spot for it in my heart. But I also think like when you're in this sort of world and business and people say well what's your favorite movie like you have to have something that you can pull and it always sort of throws people for a loop (laughs) i like that answer yeah (laughs) so um that's my favorite my favorite uh movie but it's also one of my favorite horror movies and i mean i love like all the 70s horror movies those are really Mm -hmm. you know um exciting to me Rosemary's Baby and The Wicker Man is one of my favorite movies and um just the sensibility and and uh, approach to it. I also think like in the 70s like there were these big budget horror and it, and we're kind of getting into this now too but like horror was totally mainstream in a way. Like there were these big prestigious event movies like The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby that and that became, you know, like these cultural phenomenon um, and they were getting nominated for Oscars and, you know, Carrie was nominated for Oscars. So I appreciate it that they, they had like that, that industrial base sort of behind them, that cultural force, um, which I think is, is happening now. Like, like horror is totally mainstream now. Yo, yeah, it yeah. is. I feel like back then, not that I was there, but to me, it's like everyone was going to go see these movies. Whereas now, I feel like there's like the horror heads out there and but like they generate a lot of box office revenue. Yeah, totally. They're like the one thing they're that and superhero movies are like will mm-hmm. make money. Yeah. Right. But at the same time there are these people where you're like such as I don't know, my mother for example, where you're like horror film and she's like I can't even think about a horror film. I'll get too scared. <laughs> I know. I know. My mom's the same way and I've 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 tried to sort of 
show her some stuff because when I was in high school and I was really starting to love horror, like she'd be like, I don't understand. Like, why do you like this stuff? You know, and I've shown her a couple more like artsy horror films that she's really connected with and and enjoyed. So I'm trying to get her to kind of see it my way. And it's been fun to kind of connect with her on that. So what can I ask? Like, what's a film you showed her that she was more into? She was obsessed with La Llorona, the um, the Central American film that came out a couple years ago that was on Shudder, I believe. It's is it Guatemalan? It's like from a Central American country, but it has to. It's a ghost story that has to do with the war and the genocide there, and and um, it's not. You know, it's it's more of an artsy international film with some. Um, you know, horror elements, but it is a ghost story and it was, you know, marketed as a horror film. And she was like, that's not a horror movie. That's not a horror movie, but she loves <laughs> yeah, it. She also she- denies it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something else. <laughs> what a curveball. And never in a million years would I have guessed that. That's such a curveball. Go mom. I know. <laughs> I know. Cool. It's, it's fun because, you know, now that I like, I get a lot of screeners for things. And so my parents have really been very cool about, um, they want to watch everything that I'm watching or that I'm talking about. You know, when I visit them, I try to bring screeners and stuff. So they watch a lot of like pretty challenging stuff with me, wow. which I, I super appreciate um, them doing that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome support. OK, so how did you get how did you go from I mean, just you don't have to just hit the high marks, maybe. How did you go from just like a. Uh, you mentioned when you were in high school, you started loving horror movies. How did you get to become a critic from just your affinity of of film? Yeah, I mean, it is a long and winding road and story. I think most film critics probably have a long winding road and story. And I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily know that. But I did, I did not like grow up thinking I was going to be a film critic. Like, I feel like my whole career path has been very like Goldilocks, like too hot, too cold, just right. Um, So I studied film in undergrad and had no idea what I wanted to do. I ended up uh, moving to New York City and working for a film company for a couple years, um, Lionsgate. Um, I connected with a lot. I had like made friends who were in the film industry in New York and I produced a short. We went to South by Southwest and like at South by Southwest, my friend's boyfriend had a blog. This was in 2009. It was like a blogspot blog. And he was like, I need some people to just like write some stuff for my blog. And the blog was the playlist, which is, um, you know, more of a player in the, in the independent, you know, film blog scene right now or website, you know, news website now. And um, I just started writing stuff for him for free. I ended up going to grad school in LA. So then I um, had more access to things and, I was doing it as a side hustle when I was in grad school, but um, eventually I just, uh, I got this job offer from the Tribune News Service, which is like one of my main gigs, to um, write weekly film reviews for them. And I was sort of like, well, I know I have to take this opportunity. I was in grad school at the time, and I was like, I have to take this opportunity and just see how how it goes. And I ended up dropping out. Um, I do have my master's, but I, I don't have a PhD, which was the idea, but I feel like I kind of did like tried the film industry and then like tried academia and all along the way was sort of like making connections with people. And I think the thing is like, I don't know, it was it was the right journey for me, obviously, because, you know, I, I sort of tried everything that I needed to try and and explored a lot of different avenues. But I um, 
and I figured out what worked for me and what didn't. And and I but I also think that like just saying yes to things, like if your friend says like I, w- I want you to produce a movie and you're like, I don't really know what that means, but I'll show up every day and help you get it done. Like, say <laughs> yeah. yes to that. If your yeah. friend's yeah. boyfriend says, write some paragraphs about <laughs> movies you saw at South by, like, say yes to that. Like, just do yeah. one thing that leads to another thing. And like the connections that you make and the work that you make, like leads to, you know, bigger and better things. I mean, I, even my jobs that I've gotten like have been from just talking to people and meeting people and being like, hey, I want to do more writing. You don't need, you know, can you give me some advice? And then, then you know, a year later or something, they'll be like, oh, yeah, uh, Katie Walsh, like, you should contact her. Like, it's just a matter of, like, saying you want to do the thing, kind of already doing the thing already, and then just, like, continually putting yourself out there in that way. So that's kind of the advice that I always give to people is, like, just say yes to everything. And eventually you'll get to a place where it all sort of makes sense. And that's how you got here on this podcast. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Actually, I did want to mention like how I ended up on this podcast, which is like a sassy tweet. It (laughs) was the tweet about, um, God, the green Knight. And you know what? I have to admit, I have to come clean because like it was a question about whether or not the green Knight is camp. Yeah. And I was like, no way. And then like the more I've thought about it, I'm like, actually it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are right. <laughs> I still am, I'm still in the firm, like, it's not. And like, it was all me. <laughs> yeah, it was all Carson's argument. And uh but I, I get the argument. It was like our whole podcast that went viral. Yeah, that's literally how we like connected with you. Yeah, and then you guys like sent me a DM like, hey, ever want to be on the podcast? I'm like, I like these girls moxie. Like, I gotta go on. <laughs> yes. So that's how we that's how we ended up on this video call together. <laughs> and yeah. honestly, a lot of connections between the Green Knight and the Northmen. IMO, which I'm excited to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. I definitely was thinking about the Green Knight a lot uh, during mm-hmm. the Northmen. For sure, yeah. Well, that's so funny that you've switched camps on the camp. Well, <laughs> I, I think that, like, the Green Knight is, like, it's very draggy. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with drag. Like, that's, like, my hobby on the side when I'm, like, not watching. Not, not that I do drag. I just love, I'm a huge drag fan. and. Nice. I'm like, I think the Green Knight is drag, but like not all drag is camp, but there's an element. There's like some element of camp going on in the Green Knight. It's definitely drag, though. It's like for sure drag. <laughs> yes. It's like not all drag yes. is camp, but all camp is drag. Like <laughs> I, something <laughs> like that. I don't I haven't quite figured out the the math on that yet, but it's like the, the, this is what I'm working math. through. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? I was so I was so staunch in my that that movie is camp that I the double feature that we did was Rocky Horror. I was like, <laughs> oh, Annie, my just gosh. watch them side by side and, just, and you will see. That was another really formative movie for me. Like, I remember seeing it when I was in like seventh grade and my friends and I were obsessed with it and we did it for Halloween. I mean, we did not even know like about the screenings or anything. We were just obsessed. Oh, with wow. Rocky Horror. Um, that's cool yeah trendsetters like without knowing it was a trend well i think like we kind of knew that people like did stuff at screen at midnight movies but like i've never been to a midnight movie but but you're also 12 years old so you're like whatever (laughs) like i just like this (laughs) right so but it was definitely like formative for me and in i think like shaping my willingness to seek out stuff like that annie and i had we talked about i was like i don't think i've watched anything i don't think i've watched anything but 
it just occurred to me that I went and saw Speed. Mm. And the only thing that I want to say about that movie is that I think it's camp. <laughs> Was that your first time watching it? Yeah, I, I never haven't seen, it, before. seen it either. Oh my, okay. You have to watch it. I literally, I taught a class <laughs> a few years ago, and my students, my undergrad students, were obsessed with Keanu Reeves and John Wick. And on the last day of class, I literally made them all watch Speed. Like, this is oh how important God. Speed is to me. <laughs> <laughs> Final assignment. Yeah. And actually, like, kind of, um, my, some of my students, like, it's, it's, it has resonated with them, they've told me. <laughs> I, I, it's on my, like, list of shame. I know we all have. Yeah. That. No, I have um, a list of shame as well. Believe me. Yeah. Um, is it camp? Do you think it's camp? I mean, it's camp in that, like, all, like, period action movies are, not period, but, like, you know, 80s and 90s action movies are. I don't think when it came out, it was. I think it was, like, for sure. Yeah, it was serious. Dead serious. But I think anything Yon DeBont touches is <laughs> is camp adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. Camp adjacent. <laughs> yeah. I like that. You know what? Actually, I left that movie and I went to a bar and then I got in a fight with a guy about about the campiness of it <laughs> and his argument i just i just you guys just need to hear this hit us hit us with that yeah he said that the oh my god just sitting on a throne of wrongness he said that the only <laughs> way that a movie can be camp is if it has queer elements and i was like no sir what year do you live in like it's the same thing of like not every square is a rectangle. Right. It's that math again. Yeah. It comes right back. Yeah. That was like, w- that was one of his big, one of the big pillars of his argument. And I was like, I think I'm going to, I think you're homophobic. I'm going to walk away. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's interesting how um, men <laughs> will be so staunch in their wrongness. <laughs> they love yes. to. They love to. Okay. Speaking of men. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we talk about the Northmen? Your fate is set and you cannot escape it. How oh, I've missed you, my son. One day this kingdom will be yours. Thank you, Father. My king. Okay, let's jump right on into it. Annie, hit us with some facts. All right. The Northman came out April 22nd, 2022. It was written and directed by Robert Eggers. As also with an additional writer. I don't know how to say this. Sion? Sion? Yeah, I think it's something like that. Sion. He's Icelandic poet. Yeah, and I'm guessing he helped. Do you know what he helped him on? Like the dialogue or the history? history of it all i mean from what i've read i think that they collaborated pretty um closely on the script um you know i i read something about how they were literally translating this like old language and then he would have sion translate it into like more normal icelandic and then they would i think translate it or like more modern icelandic and then they would translate it into english but um, I mean, I don't know exactly exactly what the process was, but 
they were definitely taking this old, old, old Viking saga and and trying to make it accessible to a modern movie going audience, but also maintaining sort of what makes those stories what they are in general. It's starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Willem Dafoe. It has a $90 million budget and 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Coincidence? Just um, from a visionary... Oh, here's a description from IMDb. From visionary director Robert Eggers comes The Northman, an action-filled epic that follows a young Viking prince on his quest to avenge his father's murder. Um, okay, before we jump into what we think, I just have to confess that I really thought Anya Taylor-Joy's name was Anna Taylor-Joy or Anna Taylor-Joy. I actually am questioning what I ever thought it was <laughs> until just now. <laughs> like, I've been following her from the start and I just realized there was a Y in her name. So that's why I keep tripping up on it. Anyway, Katie Walsh, I'm going to jump this over to you first. Mm-hmm. Overall thoughts on this movie. How did you just enjoy it? Oh, I loved this movie. It's my favorite Robert Eggers movie to date, which I haven't been completely all in on Robert Eggers. I've enjoyed his work. I enjoy that he does stuff that's just so dang weird um, and sort of outside the box for this industry. But this movie was one that I was like totally swept away by. I loved the sort of action, huge spectacle of it. I enjoyed the mythical aspects. I loved the score, the immersiveness of this film. I think it was just more in line with stuff that I already like, um, which is like action and spectacle. And I like Viking stuff, too. Um, I love the movie The Vikings from the 50s with Tony Curtis, Janet Lee, and Kirk Douglas. Um which Robert Eggers has said that he watched or he, I don't know if he cribbed from it, but he, he definitely, um, you know, was inspired by it in some way. And, um, and I think he just programmed it at the American cinema tech a couple weeks ago. I'm really sad. I missed that, but um, it has a really similar story too, because uh, Tony Curtis is this prince who leaves the kingdom and he comes back as a slave and he's, battling um kirk douglas who's this like evil high up prince and i don't know if they're half brothers i haven't seen the movie in a, in a while but like kirk douglas like gets his eye chewed out by a hawk and there's lots of i mean in that movie okay talk about camp tony curtis in a like tiny loincloth getting like eaten by crabs that's the definition of camp. <laughs> Give that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Janet Lee with like impossibly pointy boobs. I mean, yes. it's camp. Um, so I love that movie. I don't know. I just, I really enjoyed this. I enjoyed uh, the filmmaking and it sort of felt like, okay, give Robert Eggers this madman who's like obsessed with historicity and production design and uh, authenticity in, in recreating these time periods. Like give him as much money as possible to do all of these things. Cause I want to watch it. It's funny. Cause like, he's described and he is like very tied to history. All of his films are very tied to history, but I don't ever like for some reason think of his films as like these period pieces. Cause when I think of that, I usually think of like some boring, boring ass shit. That's like going to be nominated for an Oscar. (laughs) I like the history for some reason comes second because he's so dedicated to 
just the visuals alone. I mean, it says says here in IMDb that he's a visionary director, but that like that really rings true. Like they're all just like really pretty to look at, and they're really interesting. They often like don't go where I expect at all, except maybe not in the Northmen. I feel like this film for me, I think, is my least favorite Eggers film. Whoa! But I don't know. Th- I know I'm, I've never been a huge like Eggers gal myself, but. It just felt like I came away feeling very, like, cold on it. Like, the story, I mean, it's very simple. I believe it, like, inspired Hamlet, correct me if I'm it wrong. It did, yeah. Me. I mean, it's a, it's a classic Icelandic saga that's been told, like, hundreds of times, and it did. it is the basis for Hamlet. So it's sort of like, yeah, it's not predictable. I mean, it's not unpredictable, or it is predictable because it is a story that's been told before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, like, from when stories were like first getting their footing. So it's like very basic in that way. But even like considering that two other things sort of made me fall that way. One is the dialogue and I'm going to make a a severance reference for, you know, anyone that gets this in the first few episodes, Carson there's, and this is just a common thing, but it's on my mind. Everyone should watch it where a character is like reading through a booklet to get through like a scripted scene with somebody like, okay, if they say this, I say, this. Yeah. if they say this, then I say this. Like maybe you do this like in your, if you work for a call center, even mm-hmm. for example. And like the dialogue felt like that to me. It's like flip to page 47, like, mm. oh, good evening, father. Tis I like whatever, whatever the lines are. I didn't write any down, but it just felt very like, this is what you have to say. And then when your dad says this, you say this back. And it was mostly in the beginning, but it just sort of felt like that. And it was very, spe- it was just such a specific observation that then I probably like latched on to. But I would say that I think that he wants the dialogue to be like that. Like, I, th- I don't think he's going for authentic, like what we would consider like authentic talk, how people talk to each other. Like, I think he wants it to feel kind of how the sagas were. And, and I don't know, I guess. Like, I, I agree with your point, but I'm also like, but that's, that was on purpose. That's how they talked. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's like and, how they talked, but it's like, that's the storytelling of, that's maintaining, I think, the storytelling of the sagas. It it reminds me, and I'll, I want to talk about this when we talk about the witch, but the way that he writes dialogue, it reminds me of a stage play. Yeah. And it's it's very much like in the same vein of what you're saying, Annie, of like, Here's the line. Here's the reply. Here's the line. Here's the next line. And it feel it doesn't feel like um, an organic conversation. And I agree. I think it's on purpose. I think it's like um, uh, I'm telling a story, and you need to get the story. And these, I'm going to give you all of the pieces of the story in a very specific way. I I didn't, I, but I didn't. It didn't put me off. But I did notice it. It it very much felt like a stage play. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that, what y'all are saying. I think when I went to see The Witch, though, I didn't get that vibe. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, and again, even if it's intent, it's if it's in his intention, it just like this was just wasn't to my, landing like, for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And I thought that it was going to go away after the beginning because it's like you know this is your dad, you're respecting him, and it's your mom. There's this whole like parade of like you know acting like royalty, and I thought like when he broke out of that, it it would end, and I don't know that it did, but. The other thing, which we we should get into later because it deals with the end. And I'll say this now, like, feel free to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. We, we're just like full okay. spoilers. Don't hold it back. The scene with Nicole Kidman where, like, his mission is recontextualized 
made me just feel sort of like, I don't know, like I felt like I was in a fog of what this movie was trying to say. And I would love to hear what y'all have to say about it. But we shouldn't get into that now. Carson, what were your overall thoughts? Um, Very similar to um, what you were saying, Katie, this movie feels very big. It feels very grand. It feels like, um, like a, it overtook me yeah. for like the entirety of of the film. It it really like it grabbed me, and then I was in. I was suddenly in this big, different, like well paced world. Um, and I, I mean, I liked it. I I liked um the I we, like it was quick action, but I feel like the story was a slow burn, which I appreciated. Um. And it's funny, Annie, okay, so I was just, it's funny that, like, the uh, description says visionary director. I literally just called him a visionary yesterday. (laughs) And the way that I picture it, whenever I say visionary, I I picture someone who can see the inception of the thought and then see the entirety of the project, like, within their own mind. And then they, they just, like are able to get it out and they're able to create. And like, I, that's what this is. It's a creation. It's like, it's, he saw this and then he gave it to us. He gave us his vision. That's what it felt like. It's like, it's very big. It's grand. It's like, um, it, it feel, it felt like I was, it felt like a favor to me. He, he made the movie for me. <laughs> um, but my bit and Katie, I, I say this almost every movie, um, my biggest thing was like, it was just so, I was a little turned off by like how testosterone driven it was. Mm. I don't know. I could just like, I get so bored of like men just, there was a lot of yelling. Yeah. I, I'm like totally fine watching, you know, Alexander Skarsgård's like ridiculous traps and like him just like wrecking shit. Like I was I'm like, yeah, I like watching that. Um, It did sort of like the whole like, uh, not to get too like topical, but like the whole, you know, pillaging Viking thing, like it kind of made me reflect on especially like the war in Ukraine and like what the Russians are doing there. And that's basically what the Russians are doing there. And I mean, it's interesting because Anya Taylor-Joy's character is supposed to be an old Rus, which is like in old Ukraine, um, and she's Slavic and all this stuff. But um, so it it is just interesting. Like I was really reflecting. I'm like this this campaign of terror and violence in, in order to like oppress people. It, it just made me think about that a lot. Like, what are we, are we glorifying this? Are we reflecting upon this? I thought the movie actually in showing us sort of the beginning and the end of that scene, like where they're psyching themselves up and then where they're like kind of sitting there like panting after all mm-hmm. the violence has been done. Like I kind of felt like that though, that tail and, and um, head and tail sort of gave us a chance to reflect more critically on like a scene yeah. like that instead of just being like badass. Yeah. But especially after rewatching the witch, like I think Robert Eggers is afraid of women. <laughs> <laughs> rightfully so and and there's a lot of great directors who are as he should be yes be scared bitch no. but um he's afraid of women and there are a lot of great directors who are afraid of women martin scorsese is absolutely terrified of women so oh, wow i 
I've never been able to put it to words, but yes, <laughs> that. <laughs> like, Robert Eggers is afraid of women. <laughs> That's the tagline of this uh, yes. podcast episode. It's okay. Like, it's fine. But we just have to acknowledge that that's what's coming through, at least <laughs> yeah. for me and the subconscious. So, um, <laughs> I don't know where that was going. I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> I want to touch on, I want to get into um, the supernatural elements of this film. I, I, I want to get your guys' opinion because um, I, I feel like that is such a delicate thing, especially if it's like a historic retelling, you know, that's such a delicate thing to like want to respect, do well, do right, do in a way that is like believable to the audience and, um, you know, also like accessible, like it's not overcomplicated. And I, I, I liked all of the supernatural stuff. I liked that, like Ethan, Ethan Hawke turned into a bird. <laughs> I liked that he fought that crazy pirate underground. That that gave me like Pirates of the Caribbean vibes. Yeah. <laughs> I liked Bjork. Just like showed up and was. Are we going to call her a fortune teller? What is she? She's like, there's some name for her. It's like a, a seer, a seer yeah. stress or something. And we get the introduction to this whole world when Willem Dafoe has them on the ground, like acting like dogs. Mm -hmm. And and when I, when that, that scene, I didn't know how to feel. Like, I was like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? Like, what are they doing? But it like, it came together. Like you were saying, Katie how we get like the the beginning and the end of of each of of like those sorts of elements we got the beginning and the end of the introduction to the supernatural elements in the scene with Willem Dafoe I what I liked about the supernatural elements is I think that they could all be chopped up to like his visions or his like what's going on is in his mind. I think they can all be like explained in a way that like could take place uh, in real life. I think like, like the fight with the pirate, like that could have just been his like idea of what goes down, like all of that, even, even like the Valkyrie flying to Valha Valhalla or wherever, like that is all could just all be in his mind, which I liked. Yeah. I think there's just an element of in this culture of, ritual and spirituality and like really believing in these things and then yeah and those being his visions like his vision of his twins his you know whatever it is it's like it's what he believes is going on and they also were like tripping on psychedelics in the viking times Fuck yeah they were yeah. so you know these people were like probably eating poison and not drinking water and having a crazy time <laughs> so it, it's interesting how that like translates you know how, how to translate something like that that's so spiritual ritualistic uh, supernatural and and how to make that in the reality of this story there were so many rituals in this movie this had like the most rituals per minute yeah i mean farting <laughs> ritual like, yeah that's new to me <laughs> yeah there's like yeah, there's that one. There's the one with Bjork, like the seer one. There's another one. This, if I had to cut one, Katie, if you don't know, I'm an editor. <laughs> okay. Like a film editor. <laughs> if I had to cut a ritual, it would be the 
I think it's the third one where the guy who he like finds under the mountain is like. This I knew is, you were going to say that. Yes, this is where I you agree. find the sword. Oh, like, Pirates of the Caribbean. A, no, no, the oh. the um. It's oh. like the ritual where the guy tells him where to get the sword. Oh, okay. and he has Willem Dafoe's head, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Like, and then he throws it, and then he throws a snake, and it becomes a rope. Yes, which is what he got down to the thing, yeah. the ca- parts of the Caribbean moment with. But <laughs> that I would cut that ritual because we already learned about the sword from Bjork, and then like it was just like another instance of like, and here's where you find it. This is me just tightening this little baby up. <laughs> just getting getting a few trims in there. Just a couple little cuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then there's the ritual where after, um, I don't know the character's name, his like uncle son the dies. Old, oh, yeah. the His Nicole Kidman's other son from. The, yeah, from the it's guy. the older brother, right? Yes. So he dies and they're, they hold like a funeral for him that is also a ritual. That one was probably like the most intense. Yeah. While uh, the uncle and the younger son are like getting blood like splattered in the face in the background, like this, the older son's like wife is just being stabbed to death and they don't like draw attention to that at right. all. Right. And then like the horse's head missed is that. Off. It's so in the what? background, but it's literally like out of focus, but it's pretty close to the lens. Oh. Is oh she's that's, singing? She's singing. I think oh yeah, yeah. no, no. no. I remember yeah. that when yeah. when he's in the boat, the Viking yeah. boat, and then she's mm-hmm. singing, and that actress is actually Bjork's daughter. Oh, cool! No way. Love that tidbit. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and then after I saw this movie, I did all the. I read every interview. I was like, I need to understand what's going on. But yeah, so yeah, she's singing. They stab her, and then I guess they're going to send him out and light the thing on fire. I assume that's what they're going to do. The boat out. Yeah. Wait, so she goes with him? She's I guess. <laughs> that sucks. Dude. Yeah. He's afraid of women. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, send her to do. <laughs> but I, yeah, oh, back to the supernatural point. I liked that balance of like, is this real? Is this supernatural? Yeah. Is this all in Amla's head? Like, what is this? But it didn't really matter. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, that scene where he does get the sword. From the pirate skeleton was felt very Green Knight to me. Yes. And I just mm-hmm. like could not get the Green Knight off my mind during this movie. And I got to say, I think I prefer Green Knight if I had to call it right now. And I don't know. I think it's because the end, I felt very satisfied by that end. And um, I was like pitching alternate endings uh with my husband and we were saying like what if this movie did a green night and like he gets stabbed at the end and then he like wakes up back on the boat with Anya Taylor Joy and he's like okay yeah you know what I'm gonna live this life with you and we got we came up with that ending we were like wait that's just the green night we can't do that (laughs) and I wonder like how much I don't know they seem so similar I wonder if like Robert Eggers saw the green night and was like oh shit well it's interesting because you like it's like you have these two indie director guys taking on you know sort of traditional classical big spectacle filmmaking in the sense that like you have david lowry doing a sword what what would you call king arthur king arthur arthurian legend um spectacle adventure and then you have robert eggers doing you know viking adventure and um it feels like so old hollywood to me like it feels like them you know trying to make like a 
Errol Flynn movie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing it in their way and doing it in a really weird, strange way. And um, I think Robert Eggers definitely went more for the, like, action vibe in The Northman. And, and uh, David Lowry went more for the... I, I don't know, like fantasy almost, like all, like almost like Willow or one of those movies. <laughs> yeah. And um uh I I I really did think a lot about The Green Knight too. Um and and that movie, I mean, is quite funny. I think there is some humor in the Northman, but like I don't it doesn't come through as, uh, as much. Yeah, um, much less. But I appreciate that both movies are very weird. Um, yes, but I, I also understand, you know, like Focus Features gave Robert Eggers like ninety million dollars to make a weird ass Viking movie, and so of course the marketing and who they're trying to get into yeah. this theater yeah. is going to be like pretty basic mainstream audiences, like uh, you know the shitty posters with all the heads, oh, and it says like conquer your fate, yeah. and um, you know they're trying to get people in who are like yeah, like Game of they're Thrones, like Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. And by the way, I love when Nicole Kidman plays a weird mom. Like I thought Me she too. was great in Aquaman. That's <laughs> like just oh, a weird mom, <laughs> weird Aqua mom. <laughs> yes, but I also I love a Nicole Kidman monologue, and I wonder if it's because she does that monologue in the AMC theater, and I've since just like fallen in love with her. But her monologue, and let's jump into this moment. Her monologue like in this movie whenever she's talking about her ex-husband <gasps> i was moved i was like i believe every single thing you're saying yes like this whole we can throw the whole movie away and i'm on your team like right. yes go off at in that moment i'm like god what has this all been for like we and then i'm thinking back on like all the pillaging and i'm like do i even like this guy like do i even like amleth like if if we're now switching perspective into like Nicole Kidman's point of view of like she had a shitty husband, a son she didn't want, and begged her husband's brother to like kill him and save her. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I don't know, t- 10 years later, her the son she never wanted comes to kill all of them. Like he's the villain right now. And that yeah. was like very it just it that one threw me for a loop. And then they kissed. Like now they're kissing. Well, she kisses him. <laughs> and then she yeah. kissed him. Yeah, that's, that's about it. I think he's it. like, what the fuck, mom? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it does recontextualize it. I mean, it is funny. If like his to-do list is like, avenge father, save mother, <laughs> kill Fjolnir, he's just like crossing one off. Like, okay, don't have to do that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know that we... I think this movie is about fate because so many of these Viking, like I've read in articles and interviews and stuff that like so many of these Viking sagas are about fate and how you're bound to it. And like, I think what this movie is trying to say is like, you cannot escape your fate and like, but how do you create it for yourself? And do you have to be bound to it? And I think it argues that you do, but like you kind of also, I think the fact that you might walk away from it being like, well, why does it, why doesn't he just not do this? I think like a good question to come away from it with, because then you're talking, you're thinking about fate and you're thinking about the way fate is created and like whether or not you have to do these things. We were never presented an argument for like him being able to walk away. Like there wasn't a moment where he tried to do that and it didn't work and it like spun him back around. Like him jumping off the boat was like a hundred percent his choice in my eyes, him killing 
when he kills uh, Nicole Kidman, that wasn't so much his choice. I don't think if I remember, like she kind of just jumped out. Right. Yeah. She, yeah. Like in my head, he had like multiple opportunities to kill the uncle. But he he is so tied to his he own is. belief. Yeah. But it's like self-fulfilling yeah. in a way. He's like, it I is learned self- my fate yeah. and now I will do that because that's what I've been told is my fate sort of thing, which is probably the whole, the whole thing. I think, I think the argument is that like he has created this and now he's so bound to it that he has to do it no matter what. But like, is it true or is it just self-destructive? I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> Men are stubborn. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. They are. It's not called the North Man for nothing. <laughs> right? It's not called the North Woman. Yeah. <laughs> and on the note of like the supernatural or like, are these his visions? Like the scene where at the very end where he like sees uh, Anya. Gosh. Yeah. My whole world. It's rocked. <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy with his like two kids and she's like happy. I was like, that's your idea. I think she's pissed as hell right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> right, right. Like, yeah, we have to uh, like assume a bias in the visions. Yeah. Or or that was like studio meddling, which like that was fun to think about too cuz I know that Robert Eggers kind of like did not like a lot of the process making this. I think specifically in the edit room, but I I read something about how they had to like redo a lot of the dialogue to make it clear, like, I, I can't I remember exactly, note. but like, it was impossible to do because they had to rewrite it according to the way their mouths were moving. Oh, they had to. Oh, okay. So I have a note here. Most understandable dialogue in any Eggers film. And I don't mean like the words I like get the, the sentences. I just mean like I can hear them in a theater without like subtitles. Yeah. And. But then I have right after that ADR for days, I thought they just like re-recorded all the lines and it was like very obvious, I thought. But to hear that they rewrote them. I think they had to rewrite a lot of them. I, I can't, oh I'd have God. to go back and look at the, like why they had to rewrite them, but they had to, it was like, okay, if he's saying like, I'm doing this on blah, 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 like everything had to match like how the mouth was moving, which wow. s- sounds like a, the most impossible, horrible puzzle yeah. to do. Um, yeah so yeah they did a lot of adr and i and he has said that like doing post on this movie was like one of the worst experiences of his life i thought they just adr'd it which would would be fine but to hear that he had to rewrite the lines after the fact i would be pissed too yeah i think has he said that he like never wants to do this again i think he's said that like it was a really horrible like horrible experience And and i don't think he's I don't think he's like trying to blame anyone for that process. Uh, he, you know, he has to. A, mo- a movie studio gave him ninety million dollars to <laughs> yeah. create this vision, right. and so and, which I'm grateful certain, for. Yeah, and I am too, and I really appreciate Focus like standing behind that. But at the same time, like they do have to sell this, and you know, it's like he said that mm-hmm. they can't, they didn't show any dicks at the end in the volcano fight because they can't sell it to airplanes oh my gosh wow like there's all these things to take into consideration like can you show this on a plane can you show this on um a uh you know can you sell this to tbs or something like not that those are really like the cable channels are really big players anymore but i think that they take a lot of those like home entertainment or like how much further this movie is going to go beyond the theater into account 
Like I've seen some really weird edits on movies and planes. <laughs> it's I'm sure you yeah. have too, but it's it's really weird the stuff that they deem like inappropriate content. Um, yeah, on planes. Um, but yeah, so I I mean I, I I'm sure I, I have no idea if he'll go back to this big of a budget again, but it, it'll definitely be interesting. Do you guys interpret interpret the um the end? Of like, yay, he did it, or like, he, dang, he shouldn't have done that. I think it's just the this, the sort of inevitability of fate, and it is kind of like, eh, I really wish you had stayed on the boat with your cool pregnant witch wife, but he was so. It, there's a, there's a downer vibe to it in the sense that you're like, go be happy somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think watching the protagonist die in any movie is disappointing. But it was like, yeah, I I think once he left the boat, though, I sort of like checked out uh, in terms of like my like empathy towards him. So, you know, whenever he died, I was like, okay, Yeah, it was inevitable. He seemed happy like he cried. He dropped his tear and he was he's getting his death like battle death. He wanted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Dying battle. And he that's why I asked the thing about. Anya Taylor Joy, that quick vision of her with when she's happy. I'm like, were they trying to make us feel good about this moment? Like, like you did it. Like I get to like he's ending the the family tree like of violence. Like now nobody's mm-hmm. coming for my family. Like that mm-hmm. is there too. But Anya Taylor Joy did not seem at all concerned with that <laughs> possibility. <laughs> I think that you know something that I've realized this week uh, especially <laughs> is that. Men are really into their seed <laughs> and yeah. the, that that continuing and their progeny. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. it's like, it doesn't matter as long as my DNA lives on. And I, I kind of interpreted it that way. Like, oh, yeah, I, I my my progeny will live and I don't have to live. And my my like, I don't care of it all is like goes back even farther i'm like why are you fighting this guy you like even if you kill your uncle you have no claim to the throne like in my head i'm like is it the power of it all but you're so right he's just like where's my future where's my seed going like that's all he cares about but like literally it's like for nothing because like a quarter of the way through the movie we learn that his the guy he's after is no longer it was all for nothing you know he's a sheep farmer now which yeah you you uh, spoke on the marketing, Katie, and like maybe that's some of the I had misaligned expectations because it does seem like this crazy, like violent epic, and it starts that way too. Like that opening berserker scene was so cool. The winner and like just the spear catch was like amazing. Ugh, love it. But then like we, the violence like gets slower and slower, and then like we it gets smaller and smaller. Like now we're just on a sheep farm. For the rest of the movie. And I wondered if that was like in the original story or if that was a production cost because like it's hard to b- film in a castle. <laughs> like I don't know where the, all that came from. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I know this movie uh, like was shut down by COVID. I, I think shooting it was really hard and challenging. Like, yeah, I don't know if it was ever written with more berserker scenes. It's That sounded really hard (laughs) oh yeah i don't even mean i guess that like that scene again just like 
But if there's going to be more action. More big action set pieces. The epicness of it all. The epicness mm-hmm. of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It got very small. Yeah, yeah it yeah. did. Yeah, I appreciate that he made like a big, it felt like a big widescreen epic. Like I loved some of the landscape shots that they did and um, where it felt like you're watching Lawrence of Arabia or something where it's just like yeah. epic. And I, I, I'm i so sick of these, like, CGI background movies that, like, you can't tell that they're, like, in a place. And I know they used a lot of special effects in this movie to kind of paste Iceland and Ireland together. Um, but the way they did it was so beautiful and it felt, like, like really textured and the setting was there and it was, like, epic and s- spectacular. And I, I just, that was so refreshing to me. I agree. It was textured. And I really liked the tone of, like... The coloring of it is pretty. It's a good movie. Are we ready to score? I'm ready. Rewatchability, yes. I'm gonna rewatch it. Uh he looked so hot. It's a <laughs> seven out of ten. I haven't said this yet, but I'm gonna say it. It's, he's so like he stand he stands like sideways. He's like the widest guy I've ever seen. <laughs> he's so wide. Just pure raw muscle. Okay, I know I didn't love it, but I still want Robert Eggers to be given like heaps of money to make crazy shit. And I'm happy this exists. I'm going to give it a six. I'm going to give it an eight. I really enjoyed it. I was, it, it, it's not a perfect, like, I don't even know if it will like end up on my top 10 of the year, but I just enjoyed the scope and scale of it and uh, the, the lore and uh, all of the work that went into it. And I thought it was entertaining. So um, I I really enjoyed it. And I've been doing all of my work listening to the Northman score. So if you need a little something to, in, you know, inspire you, just turn that one on. It was good. Yeah. All right. So the Movie Maven score for the Northman is a 7 out of 10. That feels right. It does feel right. That's what I gave it. <laughs> You're like, that <laughs> yes. feels right because that's exactly what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the witch. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Annie, hit us with some facts. Okay, this this one came out in 2015, written directed by Robert Eggers, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Ennison and Kate Dickey. It has a $4 million budget. 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's streaming on Showtime if y'all folks want to watch it. And here's a description from IMDb. A family in 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. Um, Did this movie bring us Anya Taylor-Joy? I think so. That was definitely her breakout role. I think she had some smaller roles before this, but that was definitely her breakout. Yeah, I went and looked and they're like side characters in like teen, teeny bopper shows or something like that. So that's wild that that even that this is like her start. And she plays a young witch and yeah, it's sort of like a sequel to her character. <laughs> it feels that way. Like in The Northman, she's like, already knows who she is she's like i can like mm-hmm. tell these men anything and they'll believe me mm-hmm. i can use my powers against them and in this movie she's like discovering that for the first yes time. exactly <laughs> she's a fully formed witch in the northman yes well 
I'll start with you, Katie. Again, what what do you think about the witch? What's your relationship to the witch, too? So it's so interesting because I did not connect with the witch as much as everyone else when it first came out, and I I ascribe I'm ascribing that to um, Sundance hype. So I remember when this movie played at Sundance and everyone was like, that was the scariest movie I've ever seen. Oh, my God. And I waited months and months and it came out and I was actually I I did review it back in 2016, I think. Um, I can't remember exactly when, but I was like, this movie's not scary. And so (laughs) as a horror person, I was like, what the hell? This is not scary. (laughs) I'm pissed. What y'all why, lied? You, you guys lied to me, yeah. and you know I've since sort of realized. Like I, I was watching it last night, and I was, and I, I have not watched it. And in the years since, I've been like, I didn't give that movie a fair shake. I need to rewatch it. Everybody loves it. Like maybe I just like had the wrong expectations in mind. Honestly, I rewatched it again. I felt exactly the same way. Oh shit! I went and re reread my review, and I was like, yeah, I got it right. You're like, um, I was right again. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but yes, I, ha- I love that. It is um, interesting rewatching it because there are so many iconic moments in this movie that, mm-hmm. you know, have persisted in our cultural imagination since it came out. So, like, you have to give it credit for, like, Black mm-hmm. Philip, Would Wouldst Thou Like yes. to Live Deliciously? The, the, I yes. think the last, like, 10 minutes are, mm-hmm. or however long it is from, you know, uh, Anya killing her mother to her mm-hmm. going to the woods like that fucking hits so hard yes. that's perfect and yes. I was just like yeah that's what the what I wanted the whole movie to be was the last like 15 minutes of the movie but yeah there's something about and there are a lot there's a lot of stuff I really like there, but there's something about and it's interesting the dialogue doesn't work for me no (laughs) and there's like a weird pacing issue where like any suspense kind of like dies and it doesn't maintain the suspense all the way through but i'm thinking about you know if you're in that sundance audience you have no idea who robert eggers is or what his whole thing is you're you don't know what this movie is you don't know who anya taylor joy is you're the very first people seeing this movie for the very first time a baby gets killed in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Like, of course you'd be like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? Like I can, I I'm, I'm trying to have a little bit more sympathy for the, the audience like (laughs) that's declared this, the scariest movie of all time. And I came in six months later and was like, what the hell you guys are totally lied. But I, I, I don't know. Again, like I, I don't, it's just not that scary to me. And I was like watching it. And I was like, I think I'm not that scared because I'm, I don't think like older women's bodies are scary. Like that's, yes. that's what he's trying to mm-hmm. be like, Whoa, check this out. Like a naked old lady. And I'm like, check out these yeah. give me more scares. I want right. more scares. Witch- <laughs> witches are cool. When like witches are really cool. They're not scary. Yes. Get your and I think right. When I think at the end, we get to that because yeah. that whole bonfire ritual thing that she goes to like feels super liberating from this yeah. absolutely sucky existence of being a pilgrim. And that was another thing that I like took away from the movie was like being a pilgrim would have sucked. I'm glad I yeah. didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Like it makes palpable like how horrible that experience was. <laughs> Like, I just relate so much to Kate Dickey's character when she's like, I want to go home. 
Get me yeah. the hell out of here. Uh, yeah. So I, I remember when I first saw this in the theater, whenever it came out, I absolutely loved it. I was like, holy shit, this is a brand new genre. Level unlocked. Like, let's go. <laughs> Did I necessarily think it was the scariest movie? No, absolutely not. I'm like, I don't understand what's, <laughs> why they would say that. Yeah. Um, but it, but I went home and I wanted to know about Robert Eggers. And so I like, I, I think I watched it like opening week or something. And so I went home and I'm like reading interviews with him and I'm like watching interviews and this being his first movie, I just, I felt so bad for myself. I was like, holy shit, like, this guy's 24, and this is what he's doing straight out of the gate? Like, I cannot compare. When, like, I think I, I, I decided he was a visionary then. To your point, Katie, this movie does hold up. It has some longevity to it. We do get, like, name another animal that has... Name recognition. <laughs> yeah, then Black Phillip, right? And it's like, just, I think, I also think that, like, upon this watch, I was less looking at all of, like, the horror elements and more just watching it as, like, a, a really a story of, like, a family struggling and they're grasping onto the only thing that they know can maybe even possibly, like, take their minds out of this really shitty life yeah. and that is their faith right and so we're they're just like it's sad dude it's like really pathetic like this sucks yeah. man i felt like everybody gave a great a really great performance um i really like the way that this movie looks it looks cold like it looks like those people are cold yes. and they're hungry yeah. and they're scared and they're alone <laughs> and you can see that all over the characters i it's like it's it's just it's a really well done movie for four million dollars yeah. and this being his his debut like it's just a it's a good movie I don't think it like I wouldn't even categorize it as like a horror I would yeah. call it maybe like a, a I don't know thr like thriller are we can we say thr maybe yeah I don't think it's a horror either like when I so I saw it when it came out in theaters and I haven't seen it since and I remember. Coming out of the theater, hearing the hype, not, I don't know if it was the Sundance hype or just the, also the marketing. Every time I saw a shot in this film from the right. trailer on this watch, <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was the trailer. Like, I remember the trailer, like, shot for shot. And even the song, I was like, mm -hmm. that song was the trailer song. Like, it was iconic. But I remember when I saw it in the theater for the first time, I came out and I was like, wow, the scariest thing in that film was when some guy's keys fell out of his pocket in the audience <laughs> and everybody jumped at like this sound because we were all edge of our seats because we, you know, were told it was scary. And it is like, I am full of dread in this film, like similar to The Lighthouse. Like, I'm just like, I don't mm, like what yeah. I feel, mm -hmm. but it's not scared. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I really was not impressed when I saw it back then. But guys, I really like this movie. I don't. Like, it really worked for me. And this, Katie, you don't know me, but like, this <laughs> yeah. is not a me movie. <laughs> this is a me movie. <laughs> yeah. This is Carson. This is not me. Like, but I was digging it. And like, it just felt so neat to me and like, like, neat and tidy. And, um, like, I really, unlike the Northman, like, I really felt for Anya Taylor Joy. Like, God, like, to lose, like, to lose your sibling and 
your parents are like not blaming you, but blaming you for it. And then that happens again. I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I just feel so hard for her. She's got those shitty little twins fucking up her shit. Um, I was like, I was loving the siblings. I had forgotten how great the siblings are. I'm like, okay, everybody's talking about Anya. What about Caleb giving the performance of the movie? <laughs> oh okay. my God. Whenever he has his convulsions. Yes. I had the same thought. I was like, okay, acting chops. Yeah. What is this? <laughs> I literally have a note in all caps, just kid acting. Like, yes, not only like, the acting though, but his lines, like for a kid to say those words. Wait, I'm looking this kid up because I want to know what he's up to now. Because <laughs> his acting was so good. Okay, but yeah, all this shit, like her twins are shit, like to her and her dad, who does really care about her, which I can tell and I like that. But like, he's letting her take the blame for this silver fucking cup. Like, she just can't catch a break. And that is so like captivating to watch. And it makes yeah. that last 15 minutes so like raw, raw, like this, like... Yes, be that witch, you know? I, are, that's what I think I'm supposed to feel in that moment. Like, be No, that I, and that's how I feel, too. And and it is, I think, definitely tied to the dad who's just, like, lying and lying and will not come clean. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like the horror was the patriarchy all along because yes. uh, I mean, she takes all the blame for everything. And so it yeah. is a total liberation. It's like a happy ending. When she, it's yeah. like, get rid of these people. Yes. They suck. Oh my God. Titties out. I'm up. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Titties <home>. out. <laughs> I sincerely did see it as a happy ending yeah. because it's like this, the life that she was living fucking blows. Yeah. And here she is like going to go hang out in the woods with witches. <laughs> They're flying. Like, go girl. <laughs> if I was in that position and I had the, the opportunity to like join the witchery oh my god i'd be stoked like to get away from this fear-based faith and like get out from underneath this thumb when in reality yes like yes the dad would not stop lying because he would not take responsibility for himself for getting them in that situation in the fucking first place that was so that was infuriating i love the scene where she confronts him and she's like crying and she's like you brought us here. You got us kicked out. I don't know why. I wish I knew why. Unless y'all know why. It's you, not clear. It's like they they upset the church. Mm-mm. Which I'm like, is that where the curse started? Like, because they upset the church in the town. I don't know. Anyway. You brought us here. You can't grow. You can't fucking grow food. You can't catch <laughs> food. You lie. You were lying about the silver cup. And then she's like, all you do is chop wood. And then for that to be his death. Is like yep. so neat. It's so neat and tidy. Do you guys think she was a witch before? Like, was there some witchy elements like the blood with the cow? I think it was the twins. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really think it was them. And only because they're a super big loose end. That's like kind of my, like, I didn't love that is like, what the fuck happened with the twins at the end? Like, I, I don't know. I think the twins were like, spinning this narrative and then she's like you know what y'all think i'm a witch i'm gonna be a witch sort of thing i have a theory about the twin i have i have a theory okay Okay. my theory is that black philip is who he is he is the devil himself and the he starts um oh what do you call it like recruiting the twins because they're an easy target 
And then once he realizes, once he realizes that he can actually get Anya, then it's it's like all bets are off. I'm taking her. She's the one that I want. And so I yeah, I think that the twins probably died in the in the grand finale of it all. Yeah, because he realized I can get her. I just have to kill everybody else. Like when it, when they wake up and like all the bodies are strewn around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the twins are probably like in a tree somewhere. <laughs> That wasn't in the budget. It wasn't allowed to be on an airplane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, the, the thing is, like, as much as this movie, like, doesn't totally, it just, there's so many, I love all the discrete parts. Like, I love the twins. I love Caleb's performance. I, I think Anya's really good. Like, it, it just doesn't gel in a way for me. I don't know why, but it just isn't. But I think as a first feature, it's excellent. And it does exactly what a first feature should do, which is like a say, this is who I am. I'm Robert Eggers. This is what I'm all about. This is my approach. And this is what I can do with $4 million. Now give me $90 million to make a Viking epic. <laughs> and and I think it it obviously worked because he is all, I mean, he's on his third movie. All three of them have been totally uncompromising visions and he is like a, a indie art house household name. And, um, you know, he's got basically got a blank check to do whatever he wants. I mean, we'll see what happens after the Northman. But like it, it is such a strong first feature in the sense that it like did exactly what it was supposed to do and sort of like announcing him. And I did I, I rewatching it. I was like, oh, yeah, there are so many parts of this that I forgot that I liked so much, especially the shitty little twins um, and Mercy just being <laughs> so awful. I, I be the witch of the wood. Yes, she's so awful. Yeah. I love her. And like how frustrated Thomason gets, which she's just like, no, yeah. stop it. But um, yeah, so it it it's it's a good movie. And like the fact that like all of these things, you know, have stood the, you know, for seven years, they're yeah, they're that we can still place the references. So well, yeah. I think really stands to like the originality of his voice and stuff. So mm-hmm. I admire it. I really do admire uh, mm-hmm. admire this film a lot. What about it do you think didn't gel or click for you? I I don't know. I think it's like maybe it's like hard for me to de- to decipher. I think it's maybe like the the sort of like te- I feel like the tension like falls off at in every scene, and then I'm like I I would rather have it sort of like maintained throughout, but. It's more of like a thinky movie for me le- than like yeah. a sensation movie. It's like I'm like, oh, the 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 problem is the dad. Like, I, you know, it, it's like yeah. the horror is the dad. That's the villain, and this is actually a liberation film about witches and witchery. But, um, but you're thinking that you're not feeling it in the moment. Yeah, I'm not like I, I'm not like caught up in it, and I think that's why I like the Northman so much because I I felt really like swept away yeah. by it. Um. But I do think it, it's a it's a very good movie and and I enjoy it. I just it's not like it doesn't land with me for some reason. But I was also gonna say talking about the witching being a happy ending or the the, the happy ending being this witch coven. Like the actual witch that we see connect with Caleb, and you have to assume she's maybe assuming another form. She's like hot and sexy, independent yeah. woman living her life. Thriving Cottage out core. here, <laughs> yes, thriving out here in these woods, 
<laughs> you know what? So then she kisses Caleb and I I watched both of these movies with a friend of mine and she turned to me and she said, oh, wow. So we get two like kind of non-consensual kisses. Yeah, re- referring to Nicole Kidman ki- kissing her son. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I... I, yeah, that that was interesting that she pointed that out. I don't know. What. Yeah, there's something going on. I think there's some subconscious stuff going on with Robert Eggers and like women and witches and mothers. There's one moment in this movie that like I texted Annie whenever we decided we were going to watch this. I texted Annie that I was not looking forward to seeing this one moment because it stuck with me all of these years. And it is when we get like the we we like. So the mom is breastfeeding the baby that has suddenly like come back. And then we like get a wider shot of the room and it's actually a crow just like attacking her nipple, like just going absolutely ham on that nipple. Oh my God. It made me feel the same way that I felt in everything everywhere all at once. Whenever he did the, um, the paper slices between mm, his fingers, same exact pain. <gasps> Oh, I was like, I like, I grabbed my boobs. I was like, oh my God, like imagine just. And her shirt is bloody the next morning. Right. Yeah. (laughs) If if anything, that is the scariest moment to me. That is like true horror. That's also my favorite edit of the whole film. Like the cut between whatever dream she was having and like her laughing. I think she's like cracking up and the crow's just like pecking at her. That yeah. cut was, like, very um, impactful to me. Yeah, I, I was going to say also, I mean, uh, speaking of this crow attacking, I mean, that's also in the Northmen. But scary birds are a theme. Uh, yes. <laughs> and yeah, I, scary kissing. <laughs> I love this guy's, I, lo- I love his brain. Like, in The Witch and in The Northmen, I don't think that anyone was miscast. I think that every role, like, he takes great care to make sure that every role is filled with the right person. And I appreciate that. I really, I loved Caleb's performance. I loved the kids' performances. Oh, I did look him up. He hasn't made a movie since 2018. (gasps) His name is Harvey Scrimshaw. Yeah. The last movie he made was um, The Devil Outside in 2018. Maybe he's like going to school or something, but yeah, (laughs) we didn't even talk like the cast for real, like the performances of the Northmen. But the Nicole Kidman pick is very interesting to me. And I love it. It's like one of the most interesting things about the movie in terms of the cast. Ethan Hawke, what did you guys think about his performance? I love Ethan Hawke. He can do no wrong in my eyes. I worship the ground that he walks on. Go off, Ethan Hawke. I wish that he was the Northman, if I'm being honest. Mm. (laughs) What did you think, Katie? I thought he was great. I mean, I also like like Ethan Hawke... cannot give a bad performance um in my opinion i thought he was great i I wish there was more of him but i also think i'm like the alexander skarsgård is i think the only actor who could play this role yeah because he is scandinavian and he is so goddamn big he's like six six yeah he's an absolute unit (laughs) he's an absolute unit (laughs) and i think i mean he played eric northman in true blood like come on the crossover (laughs) meant to be (laughs) yeah but um i'm actually shocked there weren't more scars guards 
because there's yeah. seven of them. That's an opportunity. Yeah. And so I and like it's funny because I feel like one of his brothers was in the Vikings TV show and like his dad is Stellan Skarsgård and like he's got so many brothers and like half of them are actors. So I'm like, you guys, we could have filled out some of the extras with with more scars guards, but maybe they were busy doing something else. Uh, but yeah, I thought I mean, the thing is, like, I have a friend who actually didn't like this movie and he thought Alexander Skarsgård gave a bad performance. And like, I wouldn't say I was blown away by Alexander Skarsgård's performance, but like, I don't think that like this movie to me is more about symbol and storytelling, like legend and lore. And he did. I didn't think he had to give a good performance because he's sort of playing this like one track mind character. I think we just have different ideas about acting. Like, is it supposed to be naturalistic? Like, that's such a modern um, conception of acting um, and film acting. You know, it used to be quite big and different. So it's just like there's just different ways of doing acting. I I just felt like he he was playing like a very symbolic role, and he it was very physical. And I thought that he did the he embodied the physicality of the character really well. Um, but I loved that that you know Anya and Nicole got to be such weird witchy women, and they were giving them performances that I that I really enjoyed. I I was gonna say the same thing of like his Alexander Skarsgård, like he brought whatever in terms of his acting, like with him speaking. He didn't have much to go off of, honestly. Like the right. lines, like we said, if they're if they're there, they're very much like extra scripted. But he brings this like physicality to the role. Like even if he's just standing in the moonlight, he's just huge. I don't and he's, he's, but he's like his posture yeah. is very interesting. Also, yeah. I wanted to shout out this other guy, Klaus. Klaus Bang. Klaus Bang. Yeah. I like he's, his performance. He's amazing. He's a Danish actor. Every everyone in that movie was Easy on the eyes. Yes. It was an easy movie to watch. And it, I, um, Skarsgård didn't, I agree, he did not have to give a good performance because the story is so big. It's so grand. Like, you just play your part. <laughs> just, just be in the story, play your part. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. I also really liked the brother, the evil brother, uh, oh, Gustav yeah, I Lind. I recognize him. Um, he, if you look at pictures of him, he looks totally different because he has short hair. But, um, I kept being like, he's fierce. <laughs> He'd like come out in his like fur cape and be like, <laughs> yes. what's up, bitch? I'm like, yes, fierce. Okay. This is embarrassing, but I didn't put together that that was like the older son for a long time. I couldn't figure out what his relationship was. I knew he was like, I, I thought he, I couldn't tell if he was um, Nicole's son. I thought maybe he was just mm. Fjolner's son. No, no, he was the... I I got it right away that he was the bastard that we meet in the first act whenever they come back from battle. Oh, okay, okay. Which I I figured that out eventually, but like I was just I thought he was some badass like general cuz he's just like commanding everything and he's like but a lot of the jokes are pointed at him. Anyway, I know we're going long. Uh I'm ready to to score the witch if y'all are. Oh, okay. Any lasting thoughts you'll have as well. Rewatchability is a 10 for a like a debut it's incredible this is a great fucking movie incredible movie great performances i'm gonna rewatch this i'm gonna recommend it to anyone who is interested in film horror films or even like period pieces um this holds up for me it's an eight you know this is not 
Katie, I, we didn't say this, Katie, but this is not like what the movie is. This is just like how you like. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be generous, y'all. I'm giving it, I'm going to give it, go all the way to nine. Wow. This is very what? unlike me. Carson, I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny because talking to you guys, I'm like, I think it, it makes me appreciate the movie more just hearing your takes on it. And so it, it is. It, it, but again, it's like, I, I appreciate it and admire it more than I really like love it. So I'm going to give it a six, but it's a good movie and I appreciate everything you guys said about it. Cause it, it definitely made me, you know, consider it more. So the movie Maven score for the witch is a 7.66 repeating. <laughs> that was right. Yeah. 7.66 <laughs> repeating uh, out of 10. I want to, before you wrap up, I just want to give my next Robert Eggers film pitch. I've been sitting on this one for a while. Please no, I don't want to tweet yes. it just in case. Like, part of me wants yeah. to write this bitch. But I want to see Robert Eggers recreate the story of Exodus. Like, give me a, oh. rec- a new Prince of Egypt, but like Robert Eggers. Like, That's wild. Let's go. A24. They're going to, they need so much money to do that. <laughs> They're going to have to sell like a billion candles. <laughs> Here's my Robert Eggers pitch. And I've been thinking I've been thinking about this movie for a long time and I ju- it just clicked in my mind that it could be Robert Eggers. Medusa. Oh. I want to see him do Medusa. I feel like the Northman would have been my Robert Eggers pitch because I've been dying for someone to make a goddamn Viking movie for years. Yeah. And so he finally did it. So I'm I'm excited I got Wish a Viking fulfilled. movie. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Katie. This was a blast. Thank you guys. Yes. Thank you for having me. And I'm glad that Sassy Tweets brought us together. (laughs) Me too, too, honestly. Awesome. This is great. Thanks again. You're welcome back anytime. Um, Next time we're we're watching a horror, I'm going to hit you up. Please Uh, do. Please do. In the meantime, um, if you would like a free Movie Maven sticker, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and send us a screenshot of that five-star review. And then I will send you a sticker. Uh, if you want to read my glorious and perfectly crafted tweets, you can follow us on Twitter at Movie Mavens Pod or on Instagram at Movie Mavens. And wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, hit us with a follow. And um, thanks again, Katie. Thank you, guys. That's it. Movie Mavens out.